This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the New Books Network. I hoped the sisters I'd never met would never join us. And when they did arrive, I wanted to send them back. That's how American I am. As far as I was concerned, my parents had left the two of them behind and come here to give birth to me. What do you want, a medal, my little brother used to ask? He was born here, but I was born first. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Mary Kay Zuravla about her latest novel, American Endy. It's a rich and detailed portrayal of life in early 20th century Mariana, Pennsylvania, where Yelena, the first of her family born in America, tells us how as a young girl, she can already stretch a meal, mix soap, sew clothes, boil diapers, and pray as an old believer in the Russian Orthodox Church. Elena's father and all the other fathers were given tickets by the Pittsburgh Buffalo Company to work in the mines. While the men toil underground, the women struggle, the boys go to school till they're pulled out for work, and the girls go to school until they're needed to help in the house. Elena wants a different kind of life. Hi, Mary Kay. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. So American Ending is based on your grandparents' lives. Were you able to have a relationship with them? And did Yelena, or whatever your Baba's real name was, live a nice long life? Oh, I love that thought. I did have, I knew all four of my grandparents, which was very lucky. And in fact, uh, when I was a little kid, they all lived in Erie, PA, and one set lived at Fifth and Parade, and the other set lived at First and Parade, and the church was on First Street. So I had many, many um, long vacations with them. It's lovely. So the book opens, it's 1908 in Mariana, Pennsylvania. At the time, it was a mining com- community. How has it changed, and how did you end up growing up there? I didn't grow up there. So ah. my... Um, yeah, so that is that is the the um, coal mining community of my grandparents, and um, I grew up in Oklahoma, 
And my parents grew up in Erie. So, you know, the goal is to try to get out of the mines if you possibly can. And there's only a couple of these particular churches. The the book is about these old believers in the Russian Orthodox Church, Stadio Brazia, very unusually small sect. Or my mother says it's not a sect. They believe they're the first. So they're not a sect. (laughs) They're the first church. But there's a church in Mariana that the coal company built. And there's a church in Erie and one in Detroit and just a couple others in America. So I uh, wanted to tell the story of the first American born in the family and how she thinks life is going to be different for her and just how hard it was. Mm. Did Was it really your grandfather who helped or great grandfather who helped build the church in Erie? No, in Mariana. No, in Mariana. That was uh, that's part of the fiction. So this is a, ah, a okay. this is a novel. So yeah, um, they were all there and they were all mining, and then okay. everybody made their way to Erie. Some of them through Detroit. Ah, but I really you... wanted to talk about Mariana, and you know, it's a mining community, so you know, there's going to be a mining disaster. And then I just wanted to sort of stay with these people through all that they had to deal with. Mm. You wrote something beautiful about Yelena's mother that, quote, her gift was being generous before there was a need, so people felt richer than they were. Katya, Yelena's mother, is a wonderful character. What did you love about her? Oh, thank you. That's that's my favorite line that you picked. That's what I love about her. She's very canny, and she's very generous. And some people... um, confuse the two and think that maybe she has an agenda with that generosity. And maybe she does. I mean, whatever she does for people with her big heart also brings um, help from people. So she marches, for example, she marches into the foreman's office and demands that her husband be paid in cash rather than scrip. And that is something my grandmother did on my mother's side. And so that kind of guts and, um, uh, uh, ambition, we are going to get out of here. And we're not going to do it if we have to shop at the company store with your script. Mm-hmm. Sweet potato biscuits stuffed with ham, onion and horseradish, and two sour cherry pierogi on the top tray, end quote, etc. Food is almost like another character in the novel. Did you also grow up with the Russian food of your grandparents? And can you say more? I'd love to. I mean, it's funny because there's so much research. I'd never written a historical novel before. This is my fourth book. And um, so I had to do so much research. And then people are like, what about the food? Oh, I didn't have to research the food. I mean, we had blintzes every Sunday. Um, and we, my mother made pasca and sconza. Those are two pastries that are made, especially around Easter. And they're fabulous. Um, pasca is kind of like a sweet challah. And it has also raisins in it. And, and sconza has... Uh, like it's like a cheese Danish. Um, so the, the food, the the kapusta, cabbage, and the and the kielbasa, that was all very much from my childhood. But the part that you just quoted is what goes into those. You've seen those mining buckets, the dinner buckets that the men carried, and the mm-hmm. bottom, it's a quart of tea, hot tea, and then the second level is sandwiches or or meat pies. Every culture has a meat pie. And then the top is the dessert. And the the reason I say all this is because the sort of trope is if you could carry that all the way down the hill, you're old enough to go into the mines. Mm -hmm. You can imagine how heavy that is. Yeah. 
Aside from Yelena's parents and siblings, there's a large cast of neighbors and friends who are in and out of the house at school, at church, and they come alive with different personalities. Were they based on real people or did they spring up out of your imagination? Really, the question is about that old quote, it takes a village. Oh, it, it does take a village. And I had to trim the village and trim the village because I think people tripping over the names and, and people, um, it had to be more compact. But I'll tell you one thing that was just delightful. I got to go to Mariana and give a reading. And Mariana doesn't have a bookstore. It doesn't have a coffee shop. So we did it in a library and has a wonderful librarian. And 70 people showed up. This town <gasps> has 390 people. Oh, and I was ready for them to say, oh, you got this wrong or your year's wrong here. And instead they kept saying, you, you saw us, you saw us. Oh. And I, I thought my heart was going to explode. So the reason I'm telling you that story is because, first of all, it was just such a joy. That's one of the reasons I wrote the book, because my people are not on the bookshelf. But um, I just... I, they were making one-to-one. -one. They were saying, I bet this is so-and-so in the town. And I said, no, I mean, I didn't grow up here. My parents didn't grow up here. I did have a lot of great aunts and uncles, and I did know them. So I was pulling on them and stories I'd been told. And oh, I am familiar with the church. I grew up, we would go to the church whenever we were in Erie. Um, but that's another thing that happened people in my family who are still in Erie, who are in the church said, thank you for explaining the church to me. And that just mm. blew me away because it's not something, I mean, I don't, I, you were saying that you're Jewish and a lot of my friends are also Catholic and some of the rituals are in other languages and they don't necessarily know what they mean mm. if they haven't studied it. Right. And that's what goes on in the in the old believer tradition. A lot of people are chanting part of that. They, they're singing, you know, hospitius, hospitius, but they don't necessarily know that that means Lord have mercy on me. What language would that be? It's in Slavonic, which is uh -huh. not even Russian. So just like Latin, people don't speak Latin, but the Catholic services were in Latin. Mm -hmm. The old believer services were in a church Slavonic, which no one speaks except in church. Hmm. Uh, since we're talking about it, could you say, can you explain to us also what the, who the old believers were? Yeah. So some people will say, oh, there's a Russian Orthodox church in my neighborhood. And I'll say, yes, but <laughs> not so ours. The, yeah. Yeah. This is a really <laughs> unusual, like I say, they believe that they are the first Christian church. They, this is what they maintain. And um, everybody broke off from them. Oh, and in Russia, in about 1650, they decide to start looking at, you know, everybody's copying everything by hand. So let's look at everything and get it all uh, a little bit more uh, uh, together here and make sure that things aren't miscopied. And, and mm -hmm. the uh, old believers say, no, 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 ours is right. And mm -hmm. so all of the um, changes that Nikon, he's a patriarch of, of in Russia, and Peter the Great want to make, they refuse. And so they're martyred and they're killed and they're all to preserve what they believe is the one true church. So there's a line in the book about how their religion is not changing. It's all about not changing. And that's, mm. it's a, it's a house built of rules as so many fundamentalist religions are. Yes. We're all familiar with that. Most of us. <laughs> um, Yelena is a wonderful character, an excellent Thank storyteller you. who shares the tiniest details 
But when we meet her, she's really just a little girl at 10 years old, cooking and sewing, fixing things, taking care of babies. Whoa, could you say more? Yeah, I mean, she is her mother's shadow and she is pickling and she's boiling the diapers and she, you know, she's gardening, she's sewing, she's doing everything. And it's a stark contrast because they've left the, the coal companies provided men in Russia or Poland with tickets to come here as long as they would then be minors. And their parents, her parents had to leave two kids behind so they could come because they couldn't get the money for more tickets. So they've left these two girls behind who are being really pampered by their Baba and Jet, their grandparents. And Yelena's working left, right, and center. And when her sisters show up, oh, they're just these precious, um, they can barely do anything. Ah, that was so fun. That was I loved that <laughs> section. The mining company that brought her dad in, Yelena's dad, they seem to get away with, they do, they get away with terrible, dangerous conditions, paying barely livable wages, no laws about it. So companies that aren't restricted can do whatever they want to their employees in it's early, amazing. early 20th century America. And you can see, if you see any um, script that, you know, they're, they're paid, you can see that not only, you know, they think, oh, we're coming over, we're going to get a house and we're going to have a job. And that's better than what's going on here because there's a lot of famine and, and unemployment there. So they get to America. Well, that house is not free. And then every piece of equipment that they have, everything they wear, uh, the, the mining hat on their head, the explosives that they use to blow up the rock, to expose the coal, all of that comes out of their pay. You break a pick, that comes out of your pay. So are things any different now? Good question. <laughs> What's you know, I changed? Was writing, I was writing this book of 100 years ago, and uh, I was getting to a part where they're asking the question, you know, if we leave the mines, can we get other jobs? Because they're not citizens yet, and the mines brought mm -hmm. them here, and what mm -hmm. do they owe to them? So I'm writing about that, and, you know, the, the 1919 influenza comes through, and um, you know, you don't want to be too close to someone while you're next to this guy underground in a mine who spits on the ground. So I'm typing all this. And instead of 1919, I type 2019. And I just about jumped out of my skin. And that is a great question. I mean, what has changed? And then the pandemic came through and I had just written paragraphs uh, and chapters about a pandemic. It was really sobering. Mm-hmm. I also taught a citizenship course as I was writing this book because it was COVID. We were in lockdown. And so I did an online, I taught citizens. And and um, that was another thing to meet these people who are struggling to try to become citizens and what they were going through uh, was exactly what, what I was describing. Yeah. Um, Yelena, her fourth grade teacher is extremely important in her life. Can you say more about her? Yes, Miss Kelly. So she's an Irish immigrant. And, you know, Yelena's not an immigrant. Yelena's born in America. And Miss Kelly sees how curious and bright she is. And in fact, even before Yelena is born, Yelena's ma, Katya, who we've already talked about being so canny and, and able, has befriended Miss Kelly to try to learn English. She wants to raise her kids where English is their first language. And so Miss Kelly is already predisposed to be charmed by Yelena. And, and they 
Um, they have a lovely relationship. But even Miss Kelly, thinking she's doing right by these kids, tries to teach the whole class about Russian history. And Yelena just says, oh, even you? I'm American. I'm American. <laughs> so that's it's it's a really interesting dynamic. Another theme is um, of American ending is immigration. Miss Kelly teaches that 11,747 is the most immigrants to ever arrive at Ellis Island in a day. What what was going on in the world then? Yeah, there were no quotas. That's what was going on in the world. So as many people as who could get here were then processed. Mm -hmm. They were not turned away unless they were uh, had diseases or that sort of thing. But, you know, my people in my family will say, well, we came over, our people came over the right way. And, and I say, our people came over when there was no way. There was just, if you could get here, then you arrived and you were processed. Yeah. And, you know, Miss Kelly takes that fact for the day, 11,000 some people, and she puts on the board 11,000 times seven times 30 times 365, just to show these kids, you know, 4 million people a year coming in from other countries. Yeah. But America's a big country. We were able to absorb them. So. And they, sure. were, they were desperately needed. I mean. Sure. Um, you were talking about how dangerous the coal mines are. Oh, my God. They were so dangerous. And I was so naive. I thought maybe they didn't know how dangerous they were. That's how naive I was before I started the research. Do you not know that this is really dangerous? Well, of course they knew. You're digging underground with these, uh, they have a live flame on their head, okay? And they're using explosives and there's coal dust in the air and methane in the air. And they've dug these tunnels that are constantly caving in. And when you read about it, it will say things like, boy, we better start paying attention because soon Americans won't even take these jobs. And, and you know, oh, one of the problems is that those immigrants can't read all the signs about danger. And it just makes you furious. So the year that that this book starts is one of the uh, most dangerous in American mining. M most mm. the most people killed in 1909 in America uh, in mines. Um, you also bring up issues about the um, not the depression. What am I trying to say? Uh, prohibition. You bring up issues yeah. about prohibition. <laughs> And about um, immigration in the sense that new laws were enacted to prevent what was considered uh, the fear of some immigrants marrying Americans. And yeah, so people ask me, you know, why did you write this book? Mm -hmm. And and there's a great Toni Morrison line about if you don't see your people on the bookshelf, you know, you need to write that book. So that was part of it, mm. that there's this incredibly rich, wonderful um, array of Russian, Polish, emigre, Jewish fiction, just, you know, Nobel Prize winners. And I mean, you could fill libraries with them. It's like, okay, where are the old believer stories once they arrive in America? Um, I couldn't find any. So it's like, okay, you have to write that story. So that was one inspiration that, that everybody in my family is from the same place, if you go back a couple generations. And then the other huge light of fire under you is that my father's mother, my grandmother, lost her citizenship. She was born in America and she lost her citizenship for marrying my grandfather, who was mm. born in Russia. And I would say that to people and they would say, that didn't happen here. No, that doesn't. That's not a law here. 
Well, when you look at a 1920 census and you see your grandmother's name and it says naturalized or alien, right after it says born in Pennsylvania, naturalized or alien. Well, that doesn't apply to her. And then it says alien. Yeah. That is a strong word. And that really lit a fire under me. So was that law changed, I'm assuming? It was in 1922. And when it was changed, um, it didn't reinstate all those women's citizenship. Hmm. They were then allowed to apply to be naturalized if their husband was naturalized. Wow. So many things from the century come up. The Spanish flu, as you said, uh, so many other issues, a devastating virus, horrible immigration problems. So is there really nothing new under the sun? Well, you know, I guess not. Um, pick a topic, any topic. I mean, for me, the discovery that so little had changed, I, I was gobsmacked by that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just to tell you, this is, seems almost silly, but my name, Mary Kay, I am named after my two grandmothers, Mary Zorabloff and Kay Fedorov. And of course I knew that. Of course I knew that growing up. Mm-hmm. But one day, and and I have combined both my grandmothers into Katya, um, uh, or maybe their mothers. I, I've sort of played with the time period a little bit too, um, because I didn't want to write so many families because people were already confused by how many people. But w- but one day I was writing a letter trying to get an agent um, because in this book I had to get a new publisher and a new agent, and I rediscovered or I wrote it down that when my mother named me after my two grandmothers, could she have known that I would write their story? Oh, yeah. yeah. I guessed too. And I mean, for heaven's sakes, I certainly know I'm named for them, but that feeling, you're asking if there's anything new under the sun. And I guess I'm t- sort of asking another question, which is, do we choose our subjects or do our subjects choose us? Ah, let's, uh, we're going to have to spend a lifetime talking about that. I think there's no answer. Um, so Mary Kay, what are you working on next? Well, I have a lot of chapters that f- that follow after Yelena's story because I thought I was going to write three generations. So I might be writing zero to twenty uh, those years of future women in the in the family. I might put that together. Or my other novels are very different from this one, and uh, I might be writing about an eighty-year-old crochet anarchist. We'll see. Okay. (laughs) Good luck, whatever you choose. And thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. This has been a joy. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you for joining me. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking to Mary Kay Zaravlev about her new book, American Ending. Hope y'all have a great book to read tonight and every night. Happy reading.